סבבה. It's okay. כן. The authority, yes, they told us that in podcast there is this שבלונה. Oh, there's a template. And you must give a context. Right. So we're going to try to, for our new listeners, anyone just joining in, who are we? First of all, who said things should be in the template they should be? There's like a reason for certain things being there, don't you think? Second thing, do you want context? Go to listen to episode one. Episode zero, you mean? Why do I need to give extra effort for someone who decided to listen just to this episode? You catch more flies with honey, I think. You catch more flies with honey? What does it mean? Like, there's this idea that if you want to, you know, gain followers and friends or whatever, or, you know, maybe your enemy. What did Rachel from Ophakim do to fight off the terrorists? She offered them food and cookies. There is this idea that, you know, maybe... Some of the people that are hedging when they're listening to us, maybe they haven't made up their mind about where they stand. They can just hear us as like these, uh, these compassionate humans. Then maybe, maybe they'll give us a listen. I don't know. Okay, so let's try. So, who uh, are we? Who are we? My name is Dol Komet. I'm podcast editor. I'm doing this podcast for the nation, for the Jewish in the diaspora. And genuinely for myself and for the opportunity to escape this place, I would love to go on a date with someone because of the podcast and to earn more than $1,000 in a month and stop asking for my mother money because the podcast industry in Israel is like going down. Uh, my name is Amy Sapan. Um, I'm a native New Yorker. I'm first American born in a family of many different nationalities and languages. I am a proud Israeli American. I've been living in Tel Aviv for 13 years. I'm a dual barred attorney with extensive corporate legal experience. I'm also a translator working in the arts and culture. And in my art practice, I like to dye fibers and fabrics with locally foraged plants, which is probably not what you were expecting. I'm a, I'm a big hearted sort of misanthropic person. I'm a little bit of an introvert and an extrovert. I'm a Capricorn, Aquarius rising. I don't know. I, uh, I'm in my late thirties. I don't have kids. I think about and feel about the world a lot since I was a kid. And I have a lot of experience that relates to media law, First Amendment law, human rights and genocide prevention law. And more than anything, I'm also just a woman with endometriosis and feels like it took me until I was 37 to kind of step into my own power and no longer um, minimize myself or try to take up less space. And Um, yeah, now I'm never going to stop talking, I guess, which incidentally, when I was in first grade and I broke my arm, they wrote on my cast chatterbox and question queen. And yeah, that, that's pretty accurate. I'm a chatterbox and I'm a question queen. And my name's Amy Sapan. And I'm, I'm really grateful to Dor for saying, Hey, let's start recording. 
on October 7th, the day that we met each other. This is Monday, October 23rd, the 17th day of fighting. Jonathan here in the studio. And the update uh, today, the most dramatic thing happening late night, uh, two more uh, prisoners released, elderly women, one 80 years old, another of these ladies, 85 years old, grandmothers, their husbands apparently still held by Hamas. They're just two of the many, many kidnapped children among them. We have a pledge by uh, President Biden that all the kidnapped will return. At the same time, we have clear voices from America telling Israel not to go through with the ground invasion. Uh, Meanwhile, the IDF still surrounding Gaza, still bombing, uh, still um, announcing uh, Hamas uh, uh, fighters uh, taking out. Uh, Tension in the north, but no real change in how this war is shaping out. We'll talk again tomorrow. Maybe we'll just be different people every day that this goes on. Like one day I'll just be like, I'm an angry woman, you know, <laughs> and I'm not going to take shit from no one anymore. <laughs> like, that'll be tomorrow's be, intro. Be who you are. This is a safe space. Thank be you. who you want to be. Okay, let's speak about uh, the North threat. Before we speak about them, um, I'd like us to acknowledge that there are still at least 210 kidnapped human beings in the Gaza Strip as of the time of this recording. And our heart goes out to them and their families and loved ones. And we are all with you and praying for you to come home in one piece. Amen. Amen. Um, What's going on on the North border? You know, like crazy shit. Mm -hmm. Like uh, World War Three. Mm-hmm. There is a rumor that our safe room is not enough for the North threat. Yes. So it's mean if something really happened in the North and they will throw missile on us, we should hide in like the basement. Yeah, underground. And in Shapira, I don't think in our neighborhood, I don't think we have a place. I mean, I, I was up late last night trying to think about scenarios like if that threat manifests i mean those missiles are not the 10 kilo rockets being fired from the south without like targeting technologies like these are like from what i understand like 200 kilo so like do the math on that what is that like 20 times higher 200 20 times higher yeah 20 times more just do and they can be targeted and um the damage that they do if they fall is much, much greater. And then it's like, what would I do? Like get on my bike and, and ride 15 minutes to get to Dizengoff center and then go to like, you know, minus one. And then I was thinking about it yesterday because I got that new bike and I really like them. And it was like, so if I do like, let's say that I, I wouldn't make it in time for the first one. Like I would be like dodging missiles. And then, and then what would I do? Would I like take the extra two seconds and like lock my bike or like, what do you do? Do you like bring the, bike inside the center with you and then just like lie down next to the bike. Cause like the bike is also, it's not just like a nice to have. It's like the only thing that can like 
get me around and like ensure my safety because obviously it's not going to be just like order a get taxi. So like I was running through all those scenarios last night and then eventually like I fell asleep, which was amazing because like falling asleep right now is like, it's, it's kind of a rarity. And then about an hour into sleeping, my phone rings, my dad's on the phone and he's like outraged about, you know, what's going on here and like media and all this different stuff. And I, I used to sleep with my phone on silent until two weeks ago. And now my phone's on ringer. Like it's open to like, you know, family and close friends if they need to reach me. And I was like, daddy, I love you. I know I'm outraged too, but like, I, I thought, cause I, I thought, you know, what if he's calling to tell me like the, the missile, I, I was so freaked out and I was like, daddy, I love you so much, but like, maybe let's keep like a, a new rule. Like after 11 PM, like only emergencies, like true, true emergencies, not like media's being fucking outrageous, like emergency, which is also an emergency and definitely something that I'm taking seriously. But, and he was like, Oh my God, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I was like, no, no, it's okay, daddy. I love you. And that was like, you know, after midnight last night. So, so what's going on? <laughs> yeah, the street sweepers are still in effect, keeping our the sanitation crews. Shout out to them. They're still taking out the trash under in wartime. What, what's the opposite of shout out? I guess if you call someone out on their behavior, like if someone does something fucked up and you're like, I want to call them out on this, you know? But a shout out is like, you know, in support or in praise of. So shout out to the sanitation. No, the opposite of shout out. The, I hate the um, Do you want to live rush? You hate the like noise pollution? Yeah, it's But terrible. wouldn't you hate the stench pollution? It's still 85 degrees here. Fahrenheit time, people. It's still 85 degrees here during the day. We cannot afford to not have the trash picked up. The stench would just be another level of, you know, in this whole thing. So what if it does happen, Dor? The missiles. Yeah, it's like harrowing. Like I was up for two hours. Like, you know what I was binge eating this week? Of all the weird things you can binge eat, I was binge eating communion wafers. Maybe it will be a really great time to like buy real estate in Tel Aviv. Honestly, I know it's fucked up, but I'm also, I mean, I can't avoid it. I'm thinking about like how everything impacts everything else because everything's like connected. So like I was talking to a small business owner that I translate for. He's like, I, we don't have work. So we're trying to like move with the website. And I said, yeah, that's a valid thing. Like everyone's been volunteering. Everyone's been contributing money as it was before this started. The recession hit us like the rest of the world, but even before the recession, this is one of the most expensive places in the world with like some of the lowest salaries considering how expensive it is. So even just making it like a year or two ago in Tel Aviv or in Israel is like hard enough. So I told him there's like no shame in like you continuing to fill your cup so that you and your family can like, you know, have food on the table. Like we're at the point now where people feel bad even about you know, promoting their services. But at the same time, no one in the government is like helping us make it through this time. And we're like, most of us are freelancers and it's, it's pretty, what are we going to do about it? I, I had an idea, like, what if we got together some of the small business owners here who are selling stuff online or, and, and people in the arts and culture, and, and we could just kind of maybe speak to, you know, I have a friend in mind, I'm not going to name his name, but I was like, maybe I'll get on the call with him tomorrow and see if we can just kind of make a little cooperative collective of some of these businesses to just kind of help each other out. Like it's unavoidable. Yesterday was the first day that I had to deal with like real life stuff, you know, like the door, the door to my apartment is like stuck. So they had to come 
like fix that. The shower was completely clogged. Like the drainage wasn't working like pragmatic stuff. I had to get a new bike because mine was stolen two weeks ago. It's like now is this time where we're beginning to understand that this could be our reality for like the next six months or the next year. But and maybe, maybe, you know, we need those missiles. Oh my God. No, God forbid. God forbid. Like I, I, no, you know, maybe we need to, to have a fresh start. Maybe oh my God. We need no, no, no. To God all forbid. need to collapse. You know, Listen, like in the, you know, the last scene of, um, no, with the Edward Norton. Fight club. Yes. Pixies in the background. You know, suddenly Tel Aviv is not so expensive. Yeah, but I'll tell you what I like think crazy happens. Shit, crazy shit happened. Everybody will leave. It will be fun. Just the two of us here in the street of Tel Aviv. Missile are, are like on the air. And we're doing our podcast. It's almost romantic, no? It's weird that you brought up that movie because my hair used to be a lot more like Marla Singer's and without my glasses on when I was younger, everyone always used to be like, oh my God, you're like Helen, you look like Helena Bonham Carter. You look like Marla Singer. Like at law school, some of my friends used to call me HBC. So I feel this, I saw that movie like 17 times in high school. I read the book also. I used to read a lot of Chuck Palahniuk. And there is this theory that like circulates all the time amongst like people on like the further edge of the left. You know, it's like that Zizek, like everything needs to like fucking collapse and then we're going to rebuild. But then there's this other thing that happens when things get really extreme is that people get extreme, is that the ideologies get more extreme, the hate gets more extreme, the feelings of disenfranchisement get more extreme those things happen. Like right now, the, the unintended consequences are so big. And I, and I hope that this whole period in our lives is something that just like drills that home for anybody that still thinks you can just like kind of, it's like Jenga. Have you ever played Jenga? No, the one with the cube that you take one. And, yeah. Okay. So Jenga is like a great game. And I think it's a great example of that. Like you touch one thing and it could like topple like the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And over and over again, I feel like we're seeing this thing where people are like, ooh, even in the medical like world, you know, like, ooh, I'll treat that like little, mm -mm, I'll treat that like little fuck in the plumbing. And then boom, it's like a Disney cartoon, you know? And like the whole, all the plumbing explodes because you just put like band-aids here and there. And I think that the same thing goes for this kind of death wish of an apocalypse as like a way of restarting. I get the desire to restart. There's a lot of stuff that's not working, but hold on a second. Not everything has been terrible that's been developed over the past like 50, 60 years. Not everything needs to be thrown out. I don't want to throw the baby and the bathwater out together as a way of like fixing like a wound. You know what I mean? Like, let's think about how we got here, but like more importantly, let's think about where we're going. And I think that one of the big things that's been on my mind and my heart um, for a while, but really coming to the fore now is what is this future that people are working towards? You can destroy, destroy and rant and fucking wah, wah, wah and, and, and wish for that like, restart button and wish for the whole thing to collapse. But what comes after that? What is that world? What is that future? Because that requires a creative impulse. That requires an imagination. That requires not only understanding where, where we are, but where are we going? Where do we want to even go? And I would love to know. I would love to know where people see this going because we're not going anywhere. 
juice. We're not going to let ourselves be fucking wiped off the face of the planet. And this is only driving home for anybody who's like, we're going to, you know, justify the death of Jews and non-Jewish Israelis as a way of liberating another movement. Here, here's what it's doing on the ground. It's actually fueling Jewish paranoia about anti-Semitism. It's ostracizing communities. It's breaking down ties and collaborations and partnerships that have been growing and thriving for decades and centuries. It's putting up bigger walls. It's making sure that contributions will not be happening. I mean, I think it's one of the weirdest ironies that a bunch of people that are like dropping acid and like, you know, out there, like, you know, celebrating Jewish death, like who the fuck do you think invented LSD? It was a Jewish guy named Albert Hoffman. Like enough, enough. I always fantasize that one of my songs will be like in a movie, any movie, okay? And now you give this wonderful speech about end of the world. And maybe now there's like 100 people in the States that are listening to us and paying attention. And I said like, fuck it. Like this podcast is still not provide myself. It's not, it's not like bringing home the bacon like you're not getting any money <laughs> to a so, Jew the Jewish guy's not so, getting bacon from this so I'm gonna do like a commercial I'm gonna put my song right now and we do the sound of like end of the world with things blowing up before we get there though can I just remind one thing about end of the world yes humanity right like you know how everyone lately has been like before this started freaking out that there's so much uncertainty in these dark times and then I was sitting with some friends and I was like Guys, let's be real. You don't think there was uncertainty like a few hundred years ago? Like you went to sleep. You barely had like a lock on your door. Someone could just like push open the front door of your house and like kill you with a club. Like it was dark out. You didn't have electricity. Like times were uncertain as fuck. Like you could have been living somewhere and then suddenly a bunch of ships enter your, your like view and you have no idea who these people are. And like, oops, you're a Native American, like in America, like hundreds of years ago. I mean, uncertainty is not new. And guess what else isn't new? These like doomsday apocalypse theories, the Dead Sea Scrolls that were found in the Kumara Caves, not far from where we live, like an hour and a half away, two hours away. Those were written like 2000 years ago by a sect of Jews living in caves that were like afraid of the end of the world. The Dead Sea Scrolls are like an apocalyptic text about the end of the world. So this impulse, this human impulse and fear and uncertainty and all of these different things we're experiencing right now, none of it is really new. The subjective experience of being a human, I remember when Corona started, the virus, the pandemic, whatever you want to call that thing that happened. Um, I remember a news outlet in the States ran an article um, it was basically like someone living in 1920 or 1918 London when the Spanish flu was going on. And it's like this guy who's a trader, whatever, like he worked, you know, and he was a business dude, a banker or something. And he's talking about his day and he's like, everything's so modern. I have spices from this country and I have clothing from that country. And I listen to music from this place. And he basically was experiencing a connected world that was becoming even more connected and was becoming increasingly convenient. And I read it and I was blown away because even though the material form 
of those advancements is markedly different like than what we have right now, like the mini computer sitting next to me, which is my smartphone. The experience like from the inside in terms of, ooh, I'm turned on. There's something new here. I have a new friend. This new friend is from a different, ba-. like all that stuff isn't really new. And if, you know, there's a lot of fetishization that happens about these like glorious times that preceded us, you know, and we need to go back to these like idyllic times, which is preposterous in my opinion. I don't want to go back to any time, you know, it would be fun to be burning my bra at Woodstock in the sixties. That would be a really fun time. I'd love to like, you know, go back for a second and back to the future's DeLorean and experience that. But I think releasing from that fantasy is critical for humanity to actually encounter the present and move into the future. And we need to, my opinion, wake up and smell the reality of nothing is new. The dark forces, the creative forces, it's all here. It's always, always been here. The time now is to educate ourselves, to really think critically, to feel to feel each other, to be kinder, to be more loving. If this really is the end of days, I don't want my last days to be just harrowing and nightmarish. I'm going to keep smiling at strangers on the street and I'm going to keep hugging people and I'm going to keep making weird jokes to break up tension. And I'm going to love harder, not less. And I'm not going to go into the great night dark and defeated and deprived of humanity. Because frankly, I don't think that as unprecedented as all this is, the emotional maelstrom isn't new. It's, it's not new at all. And that allows me to connect to humanity across time. And it allows me to connect to 90-year-olds that are living through this right now and two-year-olds that are living through this and neighbors that come from different places because we are a lot more similar than anyone else would have us think. Wow. Give me 10% of your romantic perspective on the world. And I'm like, Janusz fucking Kolchak. <laughs> Man, if this is the end of the days, I still will be like, I don't know, hater to all the similar hipster from Tel Aviv that sit in the same cafe as me. And I will still be afraid of meet my ex-girlfriend in the street. Okay? I will be... If this is the end of the days, <laughs> shame on me. Why shame on you? And the whole point is, I want you to be free to be you. That's what all of us were fighting for, for all of time. That is what liberal values are, in my opinion. And I really hate this like ism stuff. You know, did you ever see Ferris Bueller's Day Off? No. You never saw Ferris Bueller's Day Off? I think we should watch it tonight. It's with... Um, it's a movie or a series? I don't even... It's, it's a movie. It's from the guy that did The Breakfast Club. I might not be right on that. I feel like I am though. And it's a guy who plays hooky from school and goes on like an amazing adventure in Chicago with his girlfriend and best friend Cameron. It's a really, really important film. I think it's, a, yeah, it is a John Hughes film, right? It has an, a killer soundtrack. And there's an opening scene where Ferris Bueller character is like, it's a shower scene and 
he's just like using the shower head as like a microphone. And he, he has this line, like, I don't believe in, I don't believe in isms. I just believe in me, you know? And I think that's great. Like, fuck it. All these isms. But anyway, getting back to liberal stuff, I was just like, First Amendment, freedom of expression scholar, like in law school. And I did my like undergrad thesis on graffiti in Buenos Aires and like all about like freedom of expression, be all about it. Like, I really want people to be free. And then in recent years, I felt like all these people were like using freedom of expression to block it. Like it became freedom from expression, like with the cancel culture bullshit. It was just like, wait, what, what's going on? Why are people that are like supposedly that share my values on the left? They're like using all this stuff that we were fighting so hard to like keep enshrined and, and, and expand it outward and share that like expression out and, and make sure that, you know, you could, you could have gay rights for marriage. All that stuff was coming out of like jurisprudential work that me and other people were like working on and like arguing for in classrooms. And then it became freedom from speech. And then yesterday I see an article that's like, (laughs) I didn't even read it because I was like, my brain cannot handle the stupidity. It was like a headline from time that pro-Palestinian college groups like, or whatever are fighting for their continued right for protected, like freedom of speech. And I was like, wait a second, let me get this right. So first we went through freedom of speech. Then we went to freedom from speech. And now we're going to freedom of speech for hate speech. Like we're, we're trying to advocate, like people are trying to advocate for the right to march through and say, burn the Jews, gas the Jews. And like these harrowing mobs of mob violence that makes the mob violence scenes and the end of beauty and the beast look like child's play. I've always been terrified of mobs. Like the whole point of rule of law is that we're trying to like, you know, keep, keep a sort of civilized age of reason society. And that's what is at stake right now is that the age of reason, the age of enlightenment, these kind of liberal democratic values that underpin every aspect of our society and keep us from imploding so that you can be a hater and sit at the coffee shop and like, think about texting that girl so that you have the freedom to do that. And I would like for you to keep being free to be you. That would be great for me. Do you, baby, go big. Just, if you're swinging a fist, don't you dare come for my fucking nose because then it's on, you know what I mean? No, but this is a wonderful way to end this episode. You know, after every ending, there's a beginning too, you know? The other side Mm. of a ceiling is a roof. Amen. Amen. Credits? Credits. Okay. Thank you to Shema, Jonathan Gall, Maya Schlesinger, Dor Comet, I'm Amy Sapan. And thank you to the Basistiots for the music in the background. Thank you for listening. Stay safe and stay tuned. Let's <laughs> 
So how would I explain bassistiot? Oh, like female bass players. Yes. Look how many words you need in English for one word in Hebrew. Bassistiot or female bass players. That's three words to one. It's a very efficient language, Hebrew, you know? Yes, otanu b'ramot. Yes, otanu afakot ba'am v'shut. Yes, otanu... If this is not end of the days and someone literally listened till now, <laughs> I guess this is the end of the days, no? No, I feel like If it's the If Yeshotanu Afakot will be like something in the world, it means the there is no Monday. world. Listen, uh, you know, the political party that I've always been fantasizing about, I think we're going to roll it out. Should we roll it out now? Yes. We'll say it here first. Yalla. It's going to be a home for everyone in this country that feels like they haven't had a home before in a political party. And at the Kalpi, at the ballot booth, we'll invite you to put in um, the ballot and it'll say Yud Aleph, like, yeah. 